Welcome to the Sense of Soul podcast. We are your hosts, Shanna and Mandy. Grab your coffee, open your mind, heart, and soul. It's time to awaken. So today we're going to be talking about veterans. It'll be part one of our Veterans Day episode. We will have Bob, a friend of mine from high school. He is a veteran himself, and he is also part of an organization that he will be talking to us about. We also have a special guest, my husband, Kurt Nankis, and we welcome and thank them both. Hello, hello. We invited Kurt to join us today because Kurt loves history, and he indulges himself in the books about history and movies and Netflix, and he just loves history. Yeah, unlike Mandy and I. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I know the last episode, Mandy had talked about how she had gained so much knowledge with researching some of these new topics that we've been discussing, like Mercury retrograde and even the Indians Mm -hmm. um, prior. And I totally agree with that. I have discovered that we as Americans are very ignorant when it comes to the truth. And I also feel very humbled in the things that I have learned. And I feel like it's part of my purpose to be able to share what I learn and people can take what they want from it. If, you know, some people want to turn their heads and ignorance is bliss. And some people want to know more like Kurt. He really loves history. And why is that Kurt? Why do you not choose to turn your head to it? And why do you love learning um, about it? You know, there's the saying out there that goes something like, those that don't study history are doomed to repeat it. Oh, and yes. I think that it's a principle of knowledge in going forward as mankind is understanding your past and where you've been, and more importantly, the failures and mistakes of the past so you don't repeat those again. I totally mm-hmm. agree. That's, that's huge. One thing learning and discovering old truths in history is that the past generations just don't talk about the things that they've gone through. It's too painful. My grandfather fought in Vietnam and the Korean War. We didn't know till the day he died that he won six silver stars. Wow. Never talked about it. He, I mean, he essentially was a war hero. And even my grandmother, who was his wife, didn't know about his uh, feats of battle until the day he passed away. So he never had a conversation with you about it. He never talked about never. it. Why do you think that? Why do you think those older generations were like that? I think, um, one, that generation was not made to boast or brag or, you know, um, you know they, they were more about action than they were about words. But I firmly believe because every time, you know, I did try to have a conversation with both my father who fought in Vietnam as well as my grandfather, um, it, it was quite real that it was painful you know they didn't want to talk about it they felt lucky to still be alive and um, certainly felt unfortunate for those that didn't make it and I think bringing it up and talking about it um, you know opened old wounds and you know what a lot of the world war ii vets are now gone or are you know getting pretty old Mm -hmm. so you're very lucky and fortunate if you were able to talk to them about that you know i wish that i would have taken the opportunity to pick the brains and learn more about this in the past unfortunately for me you know my dad was in the navy but unfortunately for me it took my brother's death he was killed in action in iraq in 2007 for me to even 
start to learn or want to know about the history of war. I was I was one of those people that was, you know, turning my head to it and turning off the TV and I didn't want to know until it happened. Well, it's easier to turn your head mm-hmm. and then, you know, to learn and discover the harsh truth. It's, it's almost disappointing because it like shocks you and like rocks your world of everything you believed in because everything's been put in this perfect little box with this beautiful little bow and we're like, okay, we'll just take that. And then when you do some research, you're like, wow, that's mm-hmm. nothing like I thought it was. Well, I know that based on our past podcast episodes, we've been shook. We were shook over the history of what we did as Americans to your family in in New Orleans. We were shook by what we have done to the Indians, the Native Americans. And I told Kurt, like, it is sometimes I almost am not proud to be an American. And that's really hard to say on Veterans Day. But I felt that way because I was seeing all of this hate, all of this killing, all of this stuff that I had turned my head to that I was learning about. And Kurt... What would your answer to me um, be when I said that to you? My first response was, name a country in the world that doesn't have a checkered past. All countries and borders are built off pain, war, atrocity, and certainly while there's definite dark pockets of America's history that I think nobody's proud of, it's certainly what forged and shaped us today. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's important to also remember, you know, some of the heroism and some of the, the gallantry that went into America's past as well to make us who we are today. We, we as Americans are free and that gives us the enablement to learn from our mistakes and make us a better country and allowing the people to be a part of that change is what makes the United States certainly separate than a lot of countries around the world. They lost their lives for us to be here. I mean, even some of them didn't even know what they were fighting for. Especially when you look at some of the recent wars, I mean, going to Korea, Vietnam, you know, and even some of what's going on in the Middle East, I think there is a prevailing question of what are we here for? What are we doing? And, Mm -hmm. you know, the thing I respect most about American servicemen is their belief in one another. They don't fight for the government. They don't fight for a purpose. They fight for the person next to them. And, you know, and they fight and do some brave things because frankly, that's what they're told to do. And they follow orders. And I think there's something certainly um, gallant in the way that they you know, fight for their neighbor, their, per- their brother, their, their brother in arms, the person right next to him, regardless of what the end game is or the goal or why they're there. They fight for the people. And I think that's certainly something that sets the American soldier apart. I mean, there's not another country in the world that does whatever they can to not leave a man behind. Think about that. And I'm certainly proud to be an American because of that. Yeah, in that aspect, I am absolutely proud to be an American, and I am very proud because I remember my brother specifically saying that to me, that he wasn't there for any cause. He was there for his brother standing next to him. Because today is Veterans Day, I just thought it would be appropriate to um, read a writing that I wrote back in 2016. It was on Veterans Day, November 11th, that I wrote this. This was one of the worst but proudest days of my life. I'll never forget the Centennial Airport closing down for the arrival of my brother. Sadly, he was coming home in a box. We bombs stood hand in hand with tears rolling down our faces and goosebumps on our skin. The plane looked small in the distance, but then got bigger and bigger and louder and louder as it approached us. All I kept thinking was, is this really happening? He was supposed to be landing on American soil weeks prior for the birth of his daughter. This can't be happening. This is the shit you see in the movies. This doesn't happen to us. Then the plane landed and it felt like it took hours for the door to open. Then we saw the coffin being lifted out by a group of very young soldiers. The moment we all saw the coffin, I could hear the weeping and cries get louder. It was then that it all became a reality. 
these men began their ceremony and flag folding. And I remember thinking how straight faced they all looked and I didn't understand how they could all be so stoic. I wanted to tell them they didn't have to be so professional and brave. I wanted to tell them that they could cry if they wanted. I wanted to tell them that they could show emotion because you could see their hands shaking and you could see the sorrow and fear in their eyes. My heart was aching so hard for my mother, my father, and for Ryan's wife who was home with their new baby girl. Then as the men placed his casket into the hearse, I remember thinking, wait, what? Where are we going? What are we doing? It was then we all rushed into separate cars and headed off the runway. We exited the airport and it was then that my sadness subsided for a moment and I felt nothing but utter proudness. I saw a large group of veterans on their motorcycles and they whipped out in front of us and behind us to escort us to the funeral home. Where did they come from? Who told them about this? Why are they doing this for us? I looked around and thought, damn Ryan, I am so proud of you. He had become such an elite medic and such a man of honor. He had gone from graduating from high school and being unsure about what he wanted to do to being one of the best in the United States Army. I was a very proud sister. As we approached Parker Funeral Home, the officers and the veterans lined up as we entered the building. They all took turns thanking us and shaking our hands. I didn't know any of these men, but for a moment I felt like I did. They seemed like friends. They seemed genuine and empathetic and like I could just crawl into their arms and cry like we'd been friends for a lifetime. We all slowly went into the building. I remember my brother Jason and I looking at each other and thinking, what is going on? So many people cared and it was affecting our community. It felt like the community was needing a goodbye and wanted to honor him. It was in that crazy moment we decided to start planning a funeral. Wait, what? This is my little brother. The sadness again took over. I had no idea his body had been completely prepared for us to view him. I was so scared about what I was going to see. I didn't know if my young children should witness this. It all happened so fast. It was then my parents front and center stood over Ryan. My mom's cry became more of a wailing. My dad got quieter as the day went on. My aunt never left my mom's side. We all took turns looking. Ryan looked peaceful and he looked good. We didn't love that they'd fixed his crooked nose and we didn't love the amount of makeup they put on him, but overall he looked good. We placed the picture of his daughter on his chest. He was so excited to become a dad. He couldn't wait to put her on his chest. The day went on and planning started. We didn't know what the hell we were going to do. We just ran with what felt right in the moment. We were all tired and broken. For me, the hardest part was looking at my mother's face. Ryan was her baby. Ryan was her best friend. These pictures that we'll post are from my brother's funeral. This, people, is the sacrifice Ryan made for the United States of America. He loved his country. I could not be prouder and more grateful to all the men and women that served or that currently serve. I did not know much about the military and the commitment and the harm you place yourself in. I did not know the sacrifices that wives and children and mothers and fathers make. I didn't know about the things these men see and endure while fighting. I didn't know much. All I do know is that today on Veterans Day and on Memorial Day, it means a lot to me, more than I ever knew it could or would. Today, I say thank you to my brother and to every single human that has served this country. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It is you who makes this country and this soil so sacred. 
I wish I could hug every single one of you. I pray no family has to go through what mine did and that no parent has to lose their child and that no wife has to lose their husband and that no daughter has to be born into this world without ever meeting their daddy. I pray our world's hate and wars end and that not one more soldier has to come home in a box. And that's all. That is my prayer for today on Veterans Day. I love you all. Be kind and positive and put all of our differences aside. Look for similarities, not differences. The one thing we all have in common is the love for our country and for our servicemen and women. That is beautiful. Yeah, so. Thank you, Mandy, for mm-hmm. sharing that. Of course. You know, sometimes I look back at my writings and I'm like, whoa, where did that come from? And, you know, I'll tell you where it came from. It came from a very deep part of my soul. I'm proud I wrote it. Yeah, I'm kind of frazzled right now, so. Um, all right, well, all I keep hearing is, all we are saying <laughs> is give me a chance. Yeah, and that was a big controversy. I wish I it? had my shaker. Do you know the song she's singing? So you know what? What is Veterans Day? Do you guys know? Yeah, no. Do you know? Well, I mean, just I'm Do you glad know when that Veterans Day is an observance day of veterans. Yeah, it's and thank our service members. Yeah. So I didn't know this, but on November 11th, 1919, the first anniversary of the end of World War One was armistice? yeah. yeah the armistice was it was called the Armistice Day. Is that am I pronouncing it right? Armistice. And armistice. It basically is a truce. In 1926, Congress passed that every November 11th would be a day of observation and of observance of veterans. Then in 1938, it became a national holiday. And then in 1954, President Eisenhower officially changed the name to Veterans Day. At one point in 1968, the Congress passed a bill that moved Veterans Day to the fourth Monday in October. But in 1975, President Ford returned Veterans Day to November 11th due to the significance of the date. I had no idea about that. Did you? Wow. Yeah. I actually didn't know any of this history until I looked it up. Veterans Day pays tribute to veterans who are still alive or ones that have passed. Veterans Day honors veterans of all wars. A fact that I didn't know is that Great Britain, France, Australia, and Canada also commemorate the veterans of World War I and World War II on or near November 11th. A lot of countries observe for two minutes in complete silence at 11 a.m. every November 11th. And facts I learned on history.com on an article they published about Veterans Day stated that 18.2 million living veterans served during at least one war as of 2018, and that 9% of veterans are women, 7 million veterans served during the Vietnam War, 3 million veterans have served in support of the war on terrorism, 60 million Americans who served during World War II, about 496,000 are still alive as of 2018. Kurt, you were just telling me some of the statistics on that, how many people around the world have died. Yeah, it's a it's a travesty. World War II, and this is why I think it's so important to remember this, um, there's estimates 70 to 80 million people around the world died during World War II. I mean, at the time, that was um, estimated 3% of the world population died in, in, in World War II. A large majority of that is civilian casualties. So, um, you know, and there's countries like Russia and China that experienced millions upon millions of casualties. I mean, China lost 10 million civilians and, you know, estimates of 4 to 5 million soldiers. You know, Russia the same. They Estimates are they lost around 8 to 10 million soldiers and another 8 to 10 million civilians. I mean, you think about... 
that damage on a society and a culture and the pain that 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 you know we as American Americans feel for losing you know 400,000 soldiers in World War II you know take that on a 20x magnitude and that's what you know countries like China and Russia felt after World War II. Gosh, I feel like America's been at war with somebody like constantly, either ourselves well, or. So it was uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower on his exit interview said, "Beware of the global industrial um, complex." And really, what he was announcing to the world is the gift of war getting us out of the murkiest, darkest time in our economic history. The Great Depression also had a curse, and that curse is we realized our dependency on war to have a good, healthy economy. Um, so that has been essentially the curse since World War II is we recognize that having that military industrial complex is a key piece to America's economic prowess, um, which is why you look at America, they have been engaged in a conflict since World War II on average every five to 10 years. Yeah, so, and some like you've looked now, we're on the never ending war in the Middle East that we've been a part of for 20 years. So we often hear, we should just mind our own business. We have no business over there. You know, right or wrong. I mean, there's certainly something to be said about, you know, minding your own business. But the one fact I always point to is since America, Prior to World War II, America was an isolationist. They basically had that principle. It was, hey, that's your problem, your fight, your battle. What's going on over there doesn't involve me. But what happened when America was an isolationist you know, country is all those conflicts boiled out of control and inevitably brought America to war. And since World War II, what America said was, look, we need to be involved in this geopolitical environment to prevent war from happening again. And... Um, right or wrong, ever since World War II, we have not been in a global world conflict because America has been engaged on the global world stage to ensure that that doesn't happen again. That was and the, the other great leaders also joined in exactly. and they made the UN together. Yeah, that was the UN, the forming of NATO, basically the great leaders of the free world came together to say, hey, and it was spearheaded, funded, and sponsored by the U.S. saying, hey, we want to make sure this never happens again. It's about the smartest thing everyone in the world it, it, could do. It absolutely was. And right or wrong, you look at uh, casualties to war outside of some of these third world religious conflicts that continue to harm us today. I mean, we have never even came close to approaching the right. amount of casualties that were suffered in World War II um, since the forming of NATO and since America decided to get in the global geopolitical space. So there's certainly some negatives to that, but you can definitely say, you know, we've been able to avert and or avoid a 80 million casualty war ever well, since Well, maybe America. 80 million, but the, the Vietnam War was in the millions, unfortunately, and also cost almost 50,000 Americans. I mean, it was, and they averaged age 22 and also the draft. Vietnam was, it was the first time the American people organized to actually end a conflict. I mean, that's, you know, right or wrong. What happened is you saw, you know, the hippie movement, the peace movement, you saw Americans take to the streets to fight for change. And when all was said and done, that is really what toppled the United States government and created that decision. The Vietnam veterans are starting to share their stories, but for years they were tight-lipped. I tend to always look at just, I'm that hippie that wants peace and love. You tend to see where it's brought in us today as Americans, and I love that about you. But my question to you, Kurt, is when you saw what my family went through, and you you knew my brother very well, you were, he was your brother too, did that change anything about your views on war or how it affected you personally? Definitely impacted me personally. I mean, mm-hmm. it was definitely a dark period in um, you know our life. 
you know, watching your family go through it. You know, I was never a big fan of going to Iraq, especially Iraq. I mean, I used to get in some debates with your brother, frankly, over beers. Um, Afghanistan, you know, I fully supported. That's who attacked us on 9-11. Our job was to to do that. And I, I saw right through this political play by Bush and, and Cheney to go to Iraq just to, you know, I looked at it as, you know, finishing what Bush Sr. couldn't do, you know, yeah, uh, in Desert yeah. Storm. And I thought it was a political hack. And uh, I would have these debates. But I will say this, your brother was unwavering in his defense of the American flag. And, you know, a lot of people forget that this right now is a volunteer army. This war that we fight in in the Middle East, there's not a soldier over there that didn't register to be in the military knowing that there was a possibility that they would have to go fight. Not a one. I mean, yeah. we've been doing this for 20 years. And your brother was a definition of that. He wanted to wear the American flag on his shoulder. And frankly, knowing your brother, the only way he wanted to go would be wearing that flag. He would yeah. much rather have done that than die old in diapers, you know, mm-hmm. in, a, yeah. in a retirement home. That is, And that's what kept me, I would say, at least comfortable no you know as comfortable as you could be regarding that whole situation is that is the way ryan would have wanted to go protecting his people out with his team yeah um wearing the american flag on his shoulder and that's you know certainly helped me deal with it a little bit better i mean when you think about the vietnam war and the draft and how some of these people they didn't they, they never hold a gun in their life, nor did they go. ever want to. And, and they didn't know what the war was for. Still and just because don't. their birthday fell on this date, they had to go. That's the, the, the pitfall of the draft. That's why I think we will never see another draft thanks to the people in the 60s who stood up to the draft and what happened and how it unraveled our country. And, and I think we will never see another draft in America and, unless there's another global world conflict, which I hope we never happen because with the military might of all these countries, that would be, you know, the apocalypse. In my so if you were in college, I mean, you had a lower draft number. So, I mean, oh, is that what it was? I thought yeah, it like there's some like people in college that still got pulled, but it depended, you know, where oh, you yeah, were in your end, degree, yeah. you know, what kind of GPA you had. Yeah. You know, were you going to a junior college or a four-year college? I mean, all of those kind of created a draft number where, you know, you're the higher the numbers, you know, and this is the issue with the draft. The, the, the founding principle of the draft more or less protects you if you're rich and powerful. If you can afford college, if you can get a degree, if you, yeah. um, you know, can sustain, Have maintain, and keep a job, you're very well connected, right. you've got a scholarship, all of those keep you out of going to war. So isn't it a little ironic that there's not a draft, but you're still finding that a lot of people that do enroll are getting hounded to join it's usually the ones that don't want to know what they want to do with their lives it's usually the ones that got into some trouble and have a record that they'll clear for them so they can join mm-hmm. how do you feel about that you guys well, that is the military right I, I i have an old business mentor of mine that firmly believe as a young adult you should do two things you should either go to college or go to the military not to fight a war but because it gives you a sense of That's purpose uh, to know how to communicate operate as a team how to deal with unique challenges and i think the military is a great tool for those that are lost that aren't yeah. going to college that aren't you know yeah. that don't know what their future lays out and it, i've seen the military change your brother's a perfect example yeah. you and i both know the day he was in the u.s army he cha- he was a changed man he was a a model citizen and he is exactly what you would want your son to be and it, it changed him he and was a ranger a jump master one of I mean, the youngest in the history of the united states and he became a husband and, and he was about yeah. to have completely. a family yeah. so i think there's definitely you know there's a good to, to going yeah. to the military just maybe not a good to always go into battle yeah well thank you kurt thanks for having yeah, thank me you. hashtag sense of soul happy day veterans i love yes. you dad love you grandpa rest in peace i definitely have to say that 
it's very concerning that they make these men and women into such like almost robots taking out any emotion taking out any connection to what they might be getting and i understand why they do it but how do you when they get out them? yes had what happens when they get out do they have programs that already are set up for them mm-hmm. i mean we're in a mental health crisis there are a lot of people out there that are still suffering According to a survey from the Veterans Administration, some 500,000 of the 300 million troops who were who served in Vietnam still suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder, and the rates of divorce, suicide, alcoholism, and drug addiction were remarkably higher than veterans. And you know, I think right now is probably a good time to add in that if you are a veteran and you are in crisis there is the veterans crisis line it's you can also go to their website veteranscrisisline.net you can call 1-800-273-8255 or you can text 838-255 and we also just recently learned about an amazing um, foundation and we have a friend of mine, Bob, on the phone with us, and we are going to talk to him about an organization that he's involved with. And he's also going to give us a little backstory on how he got involved and a little bit about himself in honor of Veterans Day. Hello, Bob. Hi, Bob. Oh, how are you guys doing? Hello, we- Shannon. Hello, how are you? Good, how are you doing? I'm good. So Shannon and I have actually been best friends since we were like 15 years old. I'm sorry, Shannon. <laughs> I am I'm demented from it all. <laughs> I believe you. Yeah. I was that way after a 20-minute phone call yesterday. <laughs> oh, I bet. <laughs> Thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. We really, really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. We met, gosh, I don't know, originally back in like... 1990, I don't know, one. <laughs> I don't, right we're aging ourselves. <laughs> you were in what branch? I was in the Army. Okay. I served twice. Once uh, pre-9-11 and one post-9-11. Before 9-11, I was deployed to uh, Iraq during the Desert Storm era. That's kind of one yeah. that I feel like went... And maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like it was one that kind of went under the books. There was a lot more that happened during that time period than was told to the public. Yes. Yeah. So after you, when did you actually get out of the Army? I got out in 97. Okay. And when you got out in 97, what did you do from there? I started working in uh, dealerships and bars. Okay. I thought that's where I was more comfortable. Yeah. Did you find that you had any struggles after coming out of the Army? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think when you're in the military, they program you to kind of pack all your feelings deep down inside so you can continue on your mission. Yeah. And when you get out, there's no, like, deprogramming. Mm. So after you get out, you just kind of continue to do that for years mm. until... Suddenly, unfortunately, you just explode. And did you get to a point where you exploded? Oh, yeah. And that happened. I buried a whole bunch of stuff in for so long. About three years ago, I ended up drinking a half bottle of Jack Daniels and was wanting to just take myself out. Yeah, I've been there, too. 
And what happened that got you to the point where you didn't take yourself out? At the last minute, I just I picked up the phone. It was about 5.30 in the morning, and uh, I called my sister. And I said the three hardest words I've ever said in my life was, I need help. Mm. And uh, she dropped everything, got out of bed, and drove down to my house, picked me up, and we went right to the hospital. Wow. That's powerful. I have the chills. It makes me think all kinds of different things. You know, yesterday we did talk briefly about this uh, interview and set up a time. And you also mentioned to me that recently you've been learning a lot also about the fact that you might be an empath. And I kind of shared with you about how I am too. So here you are programmed in the army to not have feelings, which for an empath to not have feelings is almost impossible. It's impossible. (laughs) It's like the Broncos winning. (laughs) almost impossible (laughs) yeah so you are naturally just a very sensitive human and then you experienced probably some not so great things um, when you were deployed and then you come home with no outlet for any of that right so you turn to the bottle I was the type of guy that I always wore that mask to cover up all my feelings and various stuff inside, kept on putting different masks on and masks on until it got to the point where I didn't even know who I was anymore. Uh, Do you think that's kind of common for people in the military? Like you're these big guys that are supposed to be badasses and you're supposed to have, you know, have all your shit together and no emotions and yeah, very stealth and cool and controlled. Controlled. Yeah. They program us to when the shit hits the fan and things go wrong sometimes you got to bury that stuff down and just continue on your mission Mm. and that's what a lot of guys do yeah you know I can remember when my brother's body landed at Centennial Airport they had a group of men who pulled his casket out with his the flag draped over his coffin and I felt sorry for them because you could see their hands shaking you could see even like their neck shaking, you can tell, but they were so stealth and they were so put together and everything was ironed on them and everything was placed perfectly, which is what you're taught to be like. But I wanted to hug them and say, it's okay to show emotion. It's okay. This is, this is hard for you to see and do, and it's okay, but that's just not acceptable for them to be that way. Yeah, Yeah. I agree a hundred percent. I had a client who, he is a veteran and he came in and I had, I had given him Reiki for his first time, which is an energy modality. And this guy, he let out a bunch of emotions. That's how it was three years ago. And once I started talking and listening that out, I haven't stopped talking since. And that's healing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't want to stop people on the street and just kind of just pull them to the side and be like, hey, listen to my story. Someone (laughs) listen to me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and didn't you have a pretty powerful moment, um, if you don't mind sharing, of yeah. when y- you decided that telling your story was going to be a big part of your life? Well, after I got out of the hospital the first time, about three days later, I realized that I still was in that dark place. And so I readmitted myself for the second time. <clears throat> and the week after that, I decided to go to church for the first time. I sat down in the chair and I felt uncomfortable, out of place. I didn't belong. And I was just sitting there shaking. I was at that flight or fight mode. Yeah. 
And all of a sudden, this guy behind me just slowly put his hand on my shoulder. He kind of leaned forward and said, brother, can I pray for you? Uh, and I just, I just totally lost it. <laughs> I bet it felt foreign, but also extremely relieving. To, oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So tell us where that journey has taken you since. Well, here recently, uh, probably about, well, about six months ago, a friend of mine, she told me about this. Uh, veterans organization called American Military Family Got Your Six, and she's like Bob with what you've gone through and where you've where you've come to. Okay, is you have to go help. You'd be amazing with this organization. So uh, at that time, I really I thought I still need a lot more self self help, mm-hmm. taking care of myself. And finally, about two and a half months ago. I finally decided to take that step. I called uh, Debbie, the founder of the organization, which has, they've been around for 15 years. They're here in uh, Colorado, at, uh, up in Firestone. Okay. So I ended up calling Debbie. I talked to her for a couple hours on the phone, just talking, asking questions, and she was telling me about the organization. And kind of on a side note, one of my big concerns was uh, once we help the veteran, what kind of follow-up do we do with them? Oh, so yeah. I was going through my stuff. As soon as I got out of the hospital and my family and friends, oh, he's okay now. Then mm-hmm. I started going through that, almost that grief process. I started looking back at the people I lost because of my actions. And I started digging a bigger hole. So that was my big concern was, what kind of follow-up do we do with these guys? Like an aftercare plan? Yeah, we do a two-year aftercare plan with them. That's huge. After we make first contact, so... Good for you. So when you say first contact, what do you mean? Well, uh, we have different ways we get the veterans kind of recalculus. We have our website, which is AmericanMilitaryFamily.org. Okay. And if a veteran is kind of struggling, he can get on there, kind of fill out an application, submit it. We'll get it, and we'll help them any way we can. There's some that uh, reach out without that process, because we'll kind of go through different websites and stuff and Facebook group pages and see if there's anyone really struggling posting kind of dark stuff. And in that case, we'll reach out to them and uh, see what we can do to help. About three, three, four weeks ago, we found a gentleman online that was posting really dark stuff about wanting to you know, bite the bullet. And this is about one thirty in the morning we found that. Okay. So we all started reaching out to contact him. We had a little bit of little conversation with him. Then he kind of went off the radar for about three or four hours. So in that three or four hours, I was trying to go through his Facebook, finding family, friends, anywhere I could contact. And while I was doing that, we had two guys, one guy from Alabama and one guy from South Carolina. They started packing their bags. Uh, another member on our team, Christy, she started booking flights because we knew he was in Michigan. So about 5.30, he came back on the radar. And by that time, tickets were bought. The guys were heading to the airport. And we were knocking on his front door about 10.30 in the morning to help him. Wow. That is so awesome. Uh, We actually put boots on the ground and we show up at the front door. I'm very aware and and have, a unfortunately, my own experiences around a lot of veterans wanting to take their own lives. And men in my brother's battalion have taken that unfortunate action. 
I've also found that a lot of them fight um, addiction and especially the ones that had injuries or even closed brain injuries that come home and are put on lots of medications on top of um, trying to just get back into the normal society, which is hard enough. Do you find that a lot of these veterans that you're going to help are battling those kind of demons? Pretty much all of them. What kind of demons did you fight, if you don't mind me asking? I got PTSD. I was diagnosed with that three years ago when I first self-checked myself into the hospital. With also anxiety and severe depression. Eight months ago, I was struggling again. Mm-hmm. And that at that point, when I wanted to take my life, it was one of those, I was kind of looking around because I lived by myself. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of just looking around my condo and I could not imagine my family having to come over and pack my stuff up after I did it. So my thinking at that time was, I'm going to pack all my stuff myself before I do it. That's deep. Thank goodness I hate packing and I'm lazy. It would save my life. Yeah. Oh my I gosh. Have much shit. Nothing to be said for being lazy. Right? There you go. A while back, someone had mentioned this to me, that some of the older veterans, like from World War II and Vietnam, they really didn't talk about it. And especially their generation are not very open about emotions and feelings, even more than our generations now. And so that, you know, many of them have gone to their deaths, never speaking of the things that they went through and saw. Yeah, I kind of know that firsthand. My dad was a Vietnam vet. And growing up, he never spoke about it. And I think that's probably one of the biggest reasons that I decided to join the Army was just so that we could have something in common where Mm -hmm. he would feel comfortable opening up to me about some of his demons. You were looking for that connection? Correct, yeah. Shanna's crying. She's a crier. Oh, don't cry. <laughs> no, it is. It's, you know, I've, I've seen it in my husband's family. His, his grandfather and his father were also in the military. And, you know, it, it's kind of like it's been passed down. You know, when, when you're looking up to those kind of people, you're taught to not share your feelings. So that's been a struggle of my yeah. husband's too, because he, even though he wasn't in the military, they, they passed down those character traits to my husband where he's been shut down his whole life and kind of, right. you know, not been able to express himself because that's what he was taught by these men. Yes. They say that this trauma can be passed down genetically as well. And that's one thing I've been trying to fight because, uh, okay, so after I decided I was lazy and didn't like want to pack my house, I uh, started seeing a psychologist. At that time, she diagnosed me with bipolar mm-hmm. and ADHD. Okay. And kind of looking back after I got that diagnosis, I started kind of looking back to my life and it all kind of made sense. Yeah, you looked at patterns. Relationships and patterns and everything like that. Yeah. So after I was diagnosed, being a veteran and being in the military, I knew what my who my enemy was, bipolar was, mm-hmm. and I learned everything I could about that disorder. Did you feel like weaker of a man for having to ask for help and for having to get therapy? You know, at first I felt that way, mm-hmm. but as soon as I did it, for some reason I just felt so strong and confident, and that's why I try to preach to everyone now that. I talked to, I was like, you know, it takes a weak person kind of to hold all that in. 
it takes a strong person to actually reach out and get the help you deserve. I hate saying the help you need. Yeah. I always say the help you deserve. I like that. The happiness. Oh, yeah. 100%. You know, I think it's like a God shot that I saw your organization come across my feed because I see a lot right. of them. And with my family's history, you know, of losing my brother in the war, I see a lot of them. But yours stuck out to me for a specific reason. Uh, one being that I just love the cause. Two, knowing that it's so needed. But also, it reminded right. me a lot of what we do in Alcoholics Anonymous. Hey, you talking about that yesterday. Yeah. yeah. It's called a 12-step call. I think that it blows my mind that in Alcoholics Anonymous, we have groups of people, I mean, thousands and thousands of people on every corner, on every corner that are available to go run to a home. You guys are dealing right. with how many people? We have in our QRF team, there's 12 of us. Mm-hmm. There's probably about eight of us that actually go out on the calls. The other guys are, you know, the admin, the ones that do all the paperwork for us, do for the VA and trying to get grants and booking our flights. Because you guys are a nonprofit, correct? Correct. So your funding is all done through fundraisers and stuff like that. Fundraisers, trying to get grants from the government. Yeah. So this organization has been around for 15 years and I'm so surprised and shocked. I've never heard of it. Um, what is your, what is your vision for this organization? Well, our, my, the, well, my long-term vision is hopefully we don't need it anymore. Hopefully we're, we're out of business. Yeah. You know, that's our main goal. We're waiting for Debbie, our founder, to call us or text us one day and say, hey, guys, mission complete. Yeah. But until then, we are uh, kind of short-term stuff we're doing. Uh, we're developing an app that hopefully will be launched here soon. It's called Pop, Pop Smoke. Okay. And when a veteran signs up with our group, We'll give them a logon number, and they go into the app, log in, and there's different resources on there, but there's also a white button. If they push that, they'll send out, that's the white smoke, they'll still send out uh, text to all the QRF guys, mm-hmm. and that just means, hey, I'm just kind of feeling down, I need someone to talk to right now. So we'll reach out, talk to them for however long we need. Mm-hmm. If they hit the red button, that means... Hey guys, I need help right now. I need someone here. And that actually will activate their GPS on their phone so we can track them anywhere. Oh my God, that is amazing. Wow. So I love yeah, it. That'll be launched here within the next month, hopefully. So that's a, that's our, that's a big thing for it. That'll help us so much. Because a lot of times we get these calls and like the guy in Michigan, we knew he was in Michigan in what town. But he was staying at his grandparents' house, so the address we had for him, it wasn't right. So we had to do a lot of research and track him down. But the mm-hmm. GPS marked, we could have just went right to him. Man, I love it. You know, that's what, uh, since of soul, also we abbreviate ourselves as SOS. We're all about just sharing our journey in hopes to just help and so when you said SOS, you know, I thought, oh, how perfect that we're interviewing you. It's so meant to be um, because, right. you know, that's what we're we stand for the same thing. Just helping even just one person. Then my purpose has been done. Yep. And you also have done what Shannon and I've done and you've turned your pain into purpose. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a true believer. The reason for life is to find your purpose and give it away. 
And you know it's healing for you as well. Because the more oh, yeah. you, you know, extend your hand, the stronger you grow. And I'll tell you what the most satisfying thing is when we show up to these veterans' house on their front door is all of a sudden they get this little tiny smile just because they're not alone in their fight anymore. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know that I could even compare the two, but I, I'm going to. I know that a lot of athletes that have grown up being athletes their entire life and have that locker room camaraderie. They, they, that that's also so missed. You know, my brother didn't go to Iraq to fight for a specific reason. He went there to fight for the guy standing next to him. Battle buddy next to you. That's really missed when you come home. It's gone. And just like athletes, you're done with the sport. You've hung up your cleats. You've hung up your army boots. And then that's gone. And that's got to feel very lonely and hard to adjust to. Yes, I agree. And that's what's amazing about this organization and the QRF team I'm on. Uh I've only been looking like two and a half months, but it's a brotherhood and a sisterhood. I love that. And... And we have a mission now. A lot of guys, when they get out of the military stuff, they have no mission. I love it. Well, I am just so excited that I was able to connect with you and... I'm I'm dedicated to helping support, you know, my vision for you would be that hopefully you guys can eventually have just as many people in every state as Alcoholics Anonymous to go to the door and physically help these people because it makes a huge difference. Phone calls are great, but when someone is truly in need, showing up physically is where it's at. Yeah, I love that. I agree. That's why we do it. And if I could just say one thing, if there is any vets out there that kind of have the same passion as a team I'm on, get on to uh, hashtag AMFGY6. That's our uh, page. Like it and contact us. We'd love to have guys all over the country just willing to help out. For our listeners, can you just repeat one more time the Facebook page that they need to go to to like and share? Yeah. Hashtag AMFGY6. Stands for American Military Family. Got your six. And what does the six represent? I'm curious. Okay. So, okay. You're marching forward. So that's 12 o'clock. Uh-huh. Your backside, six o'clock. So we got your ass. Oh my god, I love it! (laughs) I love it. I love. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. I just absolutely, yeah, I just absolutely adore you. I can't wait to join your cause. I know that we cross paths for a reason, and I just really appreciate you. For our listeners, I'll be also posting this on our Sense of Soul Facebook page. Yeah, thank you. It was nice to meet you, and you're very thank inspiring. You, yeah, yeah, thanks a lot for you're... sharing and for doing what you do. Yes, thank you. Oh, no. And that's what knows me about. Everyone's like, oh, you guys are amazing. You know what? We're not a. We're just doing the right thing. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, in our world, you know? sometimes people thank people for that because it's it's not normal anymore (laughs) that's what's that's what's hard yeah so keep being you keep you're hilarious i love you and thank you for doing what you do (laughs) well thank you guys all right we'll chat soon all right thank you you know i want to just thank bob for his interview and kurt for joining us I do want to say that Mary, who we had stated was going to be on here for an interview, had to have back surgery today. I talked to her for about two hours last night.
I will tell you a little bit about Mary. So Mary joined um, the Air Force and she met her um, husband that she can barely walk today. She has a walker. Um, she's had many back surgeries and many more to come due to carrying her basically her own weight while she was deployed as far as backpacks and um, just all of the crap that they have wow. to do. These, you know, she was just being a badass. And she said something to me. She said, it was worth it. This was my, this is what I felt like I owed our country and the people over there. She lost her husband to, to war even though he wasn't killed there when he got home he struggled with being able to deal with being put back into normal society he also um, was put on a lot of medications for his pain and he had PTSD Mm. and he got cut off from his medication and turned to street drug and and overdosed and died so he really needed an organization like Bob's he did. Yeah. He was really reaching out for help. I actually talked to him the night he died. And I really suggest that to anybody out there, whether you're a veteran or not, ask for help. That's brave. It is so brave. It is brave for you to ask for help. Just as brave as it was for you to serve our country, it is brave for you to ask for help. Now, I want to give a shout out to those spouses yeah. that support these veterans when they're off because it is just as hard for them. I also want to give a shout out to Ryan's wife, Amber. Yeah, they Amber. met in boot camp. And we had Amber on a few episodes back when we talked about back to soul, back to school. So she is like a double thank you. You know, she was a veteran herself. So mm-hmm. thank you for your service, Amber. But also she made the ultimate sacrifice just like my parents did. She lost her husband. I mean, can you imagine getting yeah. that knock on your door like you see in the movies? And had a baby 11 yeah. days later. Yeah. Thank you, Amber. Thank you to all of our veterans, yes. th- to my dad. Well, thanks so much for being with us today um, for part one of our Veterans Day episode. And we hope that you will join us next week for part two. And I got the website back on, so please check it out. It's www.mysenseofsoul.com. Also, continue to like, comment, and subscribe, and we really appreciate you guys joining us. Enjoy the rest of your Veterans Day. Again, thank you, veterans. Thanks for listening.